We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is, this is, this is, this is, heat, heat beat, heat beat, heat beat, with Giancarlo Navas and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas, and with me today is my co-founder, Brian Goins. Woo! We have Leif. What up, Leif? What's up? We have Christian. Yeah, free agency. Woo! Yes. The panic. I love it. We're back, man. Aren't you a free agent, Chris? Uh, um, he you know, out. I'm still considering my options. So, you know, just uh, keep that in mind throughout this entire podcast. Is it, is it Listen, if you don't like the culture around here, you can see the door. Do you trust the process, Chris? Do you? I trusted it enough to unplug my mic, but now I'm back. Oh, we're back. We're back. Okay. <laughs> so that's going to cost you some money, like Harrison Barnes cost himself a lot of money. Yeah, oh, man, didn't realize it was that bad. Point shaving ass. All right, then. So free agency. There's so much going on. And I guess we have to start with Hassan because Hassan's been in the news. And Hassan is kind of, you know, I, I don't want to call him a whale because he's not a whale. What can we call him? We call him a snapper because, like, he's he's really good. Snapper's really good. Uh, but you don't need it. But you'd like it. I think he's a he's dolphin. A no, he, he's a dolphin because he's special. A dolphin? But dolphins are smart. And dolphins go eight and eight. That's tough. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's... oh, sorry. Miami Dolphins. No, wait, no, no, no. That was my fault for not getting yeah. that joke. That, no, was... that was on G for not getting that yeah. right away. I mean, Leif's <laughs> humor on point. Okay, so I, I, should, get, I should get a timeout for that. Uh, Leif, start. Uh, do you have anything to say about Hassan? I'm in timeout right now. It's pretty much what I expected. I mean, he's soaking this up, and he loves it, and he's being courted, and everybody loves him, and that's what he wants. Uh, so I, I kind of didn't expect anything different than what we've seen. Um, the the one thing that's a little uh, interesting that I see from Heat Twitter, because I know that that's kind of who we are uh, checking the pulse of, um, it just appears like there is a real level of panic 
and concern about Hassan Whiteside and if he stays or if he goes. And, and I get some of that emotionally, and I also understand it from a roster standpoint, but this isn't like LeBron James walking out the door. I feel like this is a, a, a time where, yes, I would love to keep Hassan Whiteside. I like his upside. But um, if he walks out the door and we need to go in another direction, I don't think necessarily we have to take a step back as a team. So that's kind of where I stand just based off of the comments he made yesterday. Chris? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of who he is, you know. I mean, he, he. I feel like his personality kind of grabs to this situation. And like Leif said, he's going to soak this all in. Um, but at the same time, like – I heard Levitard speaking this morning that uh, he's saying that the Heat don't necessarily consider him a max player. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to pay him max money, but if that's really a true sentiment, then maybe the reason why he's been saying the things he's been saying in the last few days is maybe the Heat have already hinted that they'd like him to take a little less than the max, and he doesn't like that. So I think these are kind of just power plays that, you know, we saw it happen with Dwayne last year. I feel like this is something that just kind of needs to be done for the negotiations, I guess, to be taken seriously. But I think at the end of the day, if the Heat want him back, I don't see him leaving. Something that I thought of, maybe that we're not giving him enough credit, because I know that he gets made fun of a lot for being stupid, but maybe he's trying to do this, like what you're saying, as negotiation tactics. Maybe it's not that he'd have told him anything, but maybe he's just trying to put it out there like, this is what I want, try to spook the Heat into giving him at least something close to what he wants. Yeah, no, I think there could be some truth to that. And I think that ultimately, um, if you didn't land Durant, or even if you did in certain uh, you know, scenarios, uh, I think that he, he will probably get paid the max. And I, and I think Riley might even um, go against his gut a little bit and pay him the max salary. Uh, but he's not a max player. I mean, let, let, let's be honest about this. Uh, for all the talent and for all of the... Uh, elite level skills and game changing ability that you see from him. Uh, if he's your best player, and and Dan said this, so I'm not going to like necessarily quote him verbatim, but let's really be honest about it. Hassan Whiteside is not going to necessarily lead you to a championship. So, um, saying that he's not a max player, part of that is that these other organizations are going to come in and say we're going to give you the ball and you're going to average 20 and 20. You can be that next big man. You can be that next focal point. And you know that whatever Riley said, because this is the other thing, everyone talk, talks about how, oh, if Riley goes and meets with Durant, like what happens to Hassan? How does he feel about that? He's not priority number one. Riley has had the last month to talk to Hassan Whiteside. They met two weeks ago. He's already made his pitch. So if the money's there, then I feel like that is a moot point. But he's never going to tell Hassan, you're going to be number one on offense, you're going to be the focal point, you're going to average 20 and 20. And that's where guys like Mark Cuban and the Lakers and whoever else may end up being viable. I think it's what Ethan always says. He's a piece, just not a centerpiece, right? So what they're going to have to do, and I think it all depends on if they get their whale, right? Which I guess we can call him Durant now. The whale is Durant. If they can get Durant, I think that changes the math, and I think you kind of have to pay him, right? You think getting Durant has a contingency of keeping Whiteside, though? You think Durant would want Whiteside back? I think so because of the uncertainty with Chris Bosh. But is that part of the pitch, though? It might be. It, it might be, hey, listen, 
We'll give Hassan whatever money he wants, and we'll give you whatever money he wants, and we'll work on Dwayne later. Dwayne's going to work with us, and we're going under this assumption. Dwayne will work with us. Um, maybe. I mean, do we see any scenario that you realistically think Durant would come on board without Whiteside? That's what I don't think. Well, that, and think that's my so. point. That's my point. I think he would. I think if, if the Heat have enough trust in Bosch coming back this season, maybe it does make Whiteside expendable. That's a big if. But we don't know exactly what they're thinking. They have, as we've been saying from multiple podcasts now, they have more information on the situation than any of us have on hand. No, that, that, no that's true. And, um, you know, Whiteside is a key selling point in terms of having a, a young core that Durant feels like can win now. Um, but... I think that Hassan will be part of the pitch, but it won't be a we have Hassan locked up necessarily um, because it appears as if he's going to take these meetings and, and want to hear what other teams have to say. And that's kind of where um, I feel like part of this Riley uh, courting Durant thing, yes, we should absolutely think about it in terms of 2016. I think that it's an important conversation. It, it He's got a one-in-six chance of pulling it off, and Pat Riley has proven that when he gets in a room with a guy, I mean, when he does his end-of-year press conferences, if I'm sitting in my office at work and I'm listening to them, I almost run through the wall into the neighboring office. (laughs) Like, he has that effect on people. And it's not just me. Like, it's been proven a lot of very established players and even all-time greats have, um, have picked up the rings when he drops them on the table. So, like... Like, you can't doubt that scenario, but um, you would have to think Whiteside is part of the pitch. But you never know. If Whiteside is hearing things from other teams, he may go elsewhere. And that doesn't – like, that's where I shift my view. I don't think that the team necessarily takes a step back if Whiteside walks away. If you tell Durant, well, we also have Al Horford or we have Dwight Howard or we have – um, Mike Conley, I- I'm just throwing names out there. I'm not saying any of them fit or anything strategically. Like, I just think that there's more flexibility than people give the team credit for because they're not thinking about how you can maneuver in space, especially when you have, like, the entire league with um, max cal- you know, salary cap space. So that- that's just kind of how I look at that. You guys don't think that... Like you mentioned Dwight Howard and you mentioned Mike Conley, but don't you think something more attractive is, hey, listen, we have Hassan who's young, we have Jay Rich who's young, and we have Winslow who's young. Those are going to be your teammates going forward. You're going to have this continuity with these players that are just going to get better and better and better. A guy like Mike Conley or Al Horford, they're kind of capped out and Al Horford on the wrong side of getting capped out. So at least what I imagine, and Christian, I don't know what you think, if maybe you agree with me, but... Some of the attractiveness is we have these young players that will be your teammates going forward that are going to get better. I mean, I think as a Heat fan, that's kind of what you have to be banking on. And I think if you're a Heat organization, you're banking on that as well. I mean, you have a couple of young guys that as rookies in different ways really showed out. Um, And I mean, Josh Richardson has an incredible ceiling just based off what he showed in his rookie year. I mean, he, he adds a legitimate shooter to a roster that was starving for one. He adds a lengthy defender at the point guard position. I mean, it's 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 hard not to like what the Heat have built, and I bet 
to me, that includes Hassan Whiteside because he's what he's turning 27, right? I mean, he's still in the prime of his career. He's athletically, you know, in very good condition. He's a physical freak. And that's why it's hard for me. It's hard to compare Hassan to a lot of other players because he's just different in a way that goes beyond the game. He's, I mean, not pun intended, but (laughs) (laughs) he's, he's, He's very different. He's different. And I think it adds an aspect to your team, especially going forward, because he's still in his prime, that one, he's shown that he can grow because he grew just within last season. And two, I mean, he he really changes the game down low. And if you have the kind of perimeter defense already in young guys like Richardson and Winslow and even Tyler Johnson, who will be back one way or another, you know, I think that's really something to build on. And I think something that hopefully if Durant's a savvy enough, you know, guy when it comes to like basketball IQ, he'll see that. And not small. What are we on? Year three of the Bosch deal? Right. Which is obviously if 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 it wasn't for Bosch's insecurity health wise and the massive contract, I think Miami would be a much easier sell. But it's there's that you know, that insecurity and that that uncertainty. I don't even think it's so much the uncertainty. I think it's the fact that he eats so much cap that it's going to be difficult to maneuver, right? Because now it's going to require sacrifice, most likely from from Dwayne Wade. Yeah, but then that's the thing, and then you're gonna you're gonna forego Luol Dang, who had an exceptional year and would be very good with Durant with a lower usage rate, just a guy who can put the ball on the floor, who can defend like hell, shoot the three from the corner. So you're going to forego a guy like that because you have Chris Bosh not playing, eating a lot of cap. Believe me, it's, I mean, it's painful. I, I, I look through, like, the defensive numbers every now and then, and it's it always sticks out in how many different areas Luol Deng is incredibly valuable, especially on defense. And it's going to be tough to lose that, but you have to – that's kind of like the role that you need Winslow to flourish into. So I feel like it's, it's something that ha- is going to happen and it's going to suck. But I think Winslow is almost not almost there defensively, but I think you can be confident that he'll get there defensively if he's not already somewhere near there. It's it's the shooting and the the ball handling, I think, is there, right? I mean, he's probably – Dang is not a stellar ball handler, but Winslow is certainly competent and a passer, but it's just it's the shooting that you're scared about. I mean, just as far as the young core in general, um, like, uh, like, because I know you mentioned Whiteside, Richardson, Winslow, having this young core to sell on KD. Part of that is having Whiteside buying into what we're doing. And he bought into it after the All-Star break, and a lot of people will, will credit him for that. And he should, he should absolutely deserve credit for it. I actually wrote a column for Heatbeat about how they needed to keep him based on the fact that he actually uh, established a role, stuck to it, and the team was playing well and they were winning. But there's part of me that always thinks, like, did the agent coach him and say, if you want to squander $100 million, you'll keep acting like you were the night that you got ejected against San Antonio. If you want to make $100 million, you will be a good soldier in this in this end of, you know, two-month season push. Um, and if, if Hassan is bought in and he's told Riley, if you offer me the max, I'm in, and that's what he can go into the meeting with Durant with, then, I, I mean, like, I'll give that guy credit and he will have uh, – he will have immunity uh, for slander with me, but to, to and if the other meetings are negotiating tactics, that's fine. 
But if he is really wishy-washy about our organization after what we've done to mold his career and get him on track and make him, I mean, we turned a 10 day contract guy into a max contract player. And if you think that that's all pinned on the player and nothing on the organization, it's just complete BS. So if he's not willing to let Riley build the team based on that young talent, then part of me starts to think, well, you know, like, is that a, how attractive is he from an intangible standpoint? Well, you buy into this, and I do agree that a lot of it, a lot of Hassan's improvement was on Hassan, but also it was coaching uh, structure, veteran leadership, uh, I, and I don't think that could be understated, and I do agree with you. But do you think that there's a disconnect with Riley and the way he's talking to younger players, the way that basketball used to be, or the way that how authority is was once looked at in today's NBA, where this kind of LeBronism, as we can call it, where players are starting to realize that they can go anywhere they want for whatever money that they want, and they know how these teams react and how the players are smarter now when it comes to the market. So, do you think the way that Riley maybe talks to some of these players has to be adjusted because of their generation? Uh, uh, sorry, I don't mean to. Uh, jump in front but I think yes like there there is a certain level of that Riley needs to understand that that players are different today you can't speak to them like it was the 80s but it was just 2010 when he talked to LeBron James about the Lakers teams in the 80s and sacrificing to um to to you know build a dynasty but isn't that kind of when it changed though isn't that yeah no when it changed Absolutely. And I think that he still has legs to stand on in terms of what he can talk about that that will like resonate with the players. And yeah, there could be certain guys like Hassan that don't buy that message and don't buy into it. And, and but I think more players than not are going to look at the resume. They're going to look at the people who co-sign Pat Riley, because this is the biggest mind bleep of all of it. LeBron James winning the championship this year and the stuff that Lee Jenkins wrote in his latest sports illustrated piece. Uh, and now I just mentioned LeBron. Huh? I told uh, you, oh, you ruined it doing so well. That was the biggest testament to heat culture that you can find right now. The guy who just took the title from the 73-win team took the blueprint from Miami and turned a bunch of guys who were losers into champions. Like, So there is some validity to the way that Riley does things, and I still think that that's going to be with the elite of the elite that really understand our students of the game, they're going to understand that aspect. Hassan Whiteside, I don't know that he's that guy. You just I, nuked his podcast life. Yeah, for real. Like, seriously. You had a thing going, and you just, you know. What the fuck? I hate your sounds, man. <laughs> I was like, man, we have really upped the production value. I hate your sounds. <laughs> Look at that. I mentioned LeBron. I uh, you ruined it. You ruined it. Although I kind of led you there. Kind of, but I still. Kind of I've always good. wanted to use that what the boom sound. Can't do that on radio. Um, but no, yeah, I just think Riley has this tone that it kind of sounds like he's talking down to you, which I don't think he is. But I think he might come off that way to a guy like Hassan. Like, Riley's like, oh, you need me. And Hassan might think in his head, I don't need you. When it's not, you know, I don't think Riley wants to come off that way. And I'm not in these meetings, but it's just observations and and I just thought it was interesting considering now we're approaching this generation like of younger guys like Hassan like you know Kevin Durant 
Did the, it? The fi- go, go ahead. Go. Chris. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I, all, all I was going to say is, you know, Riley is known for being a master motivator. Like, he is paid to go speak at places to help motivate people. Do you That's think players still buy that? you think players I buy think, that? I think they do because I think there are always going to be players. And I think this is the kind of player, the heat player prototype that they seek out is they seek guys that, you know, want to win, are committed to winning. And it's, it's really, it's a personality. It's, it's, you know, it's about the team. It's about sacrifice. You know, it's about taking charges. It's, it's about buying in, you know, and I really do think they look for certain guys that do that. I think LeBron was not like that when he got here. I think he saw the value in it after a while, watching other veterans around him, you know, really buying in. And I think he realized that if you want to win in, in a, in a grown man league, like you have to be a professional about it. And I mean, just some of the like articles that I've read of like the clown show that is the Cavs organization. And it's like, and you could tell that, you know, he, he clearly did enough in there to change it where, I mean, did you guys really think that guys like, you know, Kyrie and J.R. Smith would, and Tristan Thompson. I mean, he, Iman Shumpert. Yeah, I mean, it speaks, but like Leif said, it speaks to what he learned, and he realized that. But like, I, I don't want to be that guy, but what did he bring over there? Because they were a clown show up until he dropped 40 and had those amazing games. Like, I don't. I mean, I think a certain level of seriousness. Is it? About account- accountability. Um, I think that he also brought roster construction in terms of. But we were trail. making we were making fun of him asking for J.R. Smith and asking. Of course, and you know Tristan what? Thompson we were money. wrong. We were yeah. wrong. We were wrong about that. Like mm-hmm. this is the and, and and in terms of what Riley and the way he talks to players, this is something that doesn't get it wasn't reported on, but it's something to think about. If in in 2014 had LeBron been recruiting with Riley. I think you would have seen a shift in the way that Riley does things. He wanted he wanted LeBron's input. He wanted LeBron to be making the decisions. He asked LeBron, "Who do you want?" So like it isn't always about talking down to people. Like he was willing to uh, build with LeBron because he understood the power that LeBron has. I mean, he just does. He's an icon. He's a global icon, and um, like I think that that is something that. People look at Riley as this old grumpy man who's trying to make the young kids behave correctly, and and there's some truth to that. And I think there's also some uh, some winning vibes that come from that. But I also think that he's willing to adapt and and for you know kind of in a cliche way, adapt and overcome uh, based on you know who he's talking to and who he's dealing with and that's where a guy like Whiteside I I just don't know that he is you know that same type of person I want to shift the conversation a little bit from Whiteside to I know today Lebetard was talking about how Al Horford is their plan B and I know a lot of us were talking about that on Twitter today uh Brian I am not a fan of that I don't want necessarily want them to go after another big especially somebody who has such a redundant skill set to Bosch maybe not completely but he's not like Hassan who's a guy who's going to crash the boards and offensive rebound and just pick and roll really hard to the rim like I, I'm not a fan of them going for Al Horford it almost feels like the same case that we want with LaMarcus Aldridge last year where we thought it was just duplication of what we already have 
Well, the Lamarcus thing was yes, it was kind of, and it was playing two bigs, and and we had Hassan already, where they had Hassan. I never say we; they had Hassan. They had Hassan already. Um, I'm not a fan of them trying to play two bigs. I do think that Hassan's going to be the big going forward because I'm not too sure how I feel about Bosch's health, not knowing any information. But in, in my opinion, I feel like if you move Winslow back to the four, because he played the five pretty well. I mean, I don't want him to play five oh, Winslow forever, but you can move Winslow to make the four. some shots. Correct. Well, at least he has the opportunity to actually spread the floor if he does bring that shot back like we, we think he could. Because he had a good stretch towards the middle of the season, then he kind of went back to where he was. But at the same time, if we also convince some kind of 3 and D player, if it's not Durant... <laughs> well, dang. <laughs> if it has to be dang, I think I, at that I'm point, I, think, I don't know if you need two bigs anymore. I don't think so. Leif, Christian, somebody? Christian, you've been quiet for a while. Um, I don't hate the idea of Al Horford as the backup option, mostly because he... I think it would be a much easier um, integration on offense because he can do a lot of things. He And even this past season, he showed that he can start shooting threes. So, like, if you can add a guy who you can either stick in the paint or space the floor, it makes it harder on defenses to figure out what you're doing from possession to possession. And more space and the or the threat of more space is always good for guys like Drogic and Dwayne. So, um, I don't think... Obviously, I would prefer to have Hassan. I think there's more potential, and it's I th- again, Hassan gives you something that I don't think Al Horford can. But Al Horford was still a very good player, and he just turned thirty, so yeah, he'll be thirty all through next year, which is not really that old. But he looks really slow, man. I mean, he's a big guy, and he gets hurt a lot. Yeah, um, but at the same time, what are your other options? But do you want to, would you just want to throw money at him because you struck out on other guys or do you want, why would you want to tie up your cap in somebody who you're not, I don't think is a part well, of the future. It sounds like all the Heath fans are trying to go after Carmelo after he missed on LeBron. <laughs> well, that you're kind of hitting, um, on a, on an interesting point, Gianni, because like as much as I today talked a lot about Al Horford and I talked about the benefits of having him, I think offensively he would fit seamlessly. I think he'd be the type of player that buy into the culture, buy into the way that we do things and, um, and be a great compliment to the players we already have. Like there's also a part of me that thinks that if you see Al Horford sign a long-term deal in Miami, that might be more of an indication that Riley left the meeting with Kevin Durant and, and 2017 isn't necessarily the um the you know like like it's not going to probably happen i think that if he walks away from that meeting and he thinks that there's any chance that in 2017 durant's going to enter free agency and that is going to buy riley a year to come back and pitch another scenario i think that you're looking at one one year deals you're looking at guys who can take one year deals and yeah you may end up being a four or five seed for one year but that's better than being a four or five seed for the next four years so like that's kind of like that he's gonna gamble riley's gonna gamble and it may not pay off initially, but I think that it's the best strategy because if you look at it in the end, whether it's Whiteside, whether it's Horford, whoever you want to choose out of this free agent crop that's not KD, if he's on a long-term deal, you're not winning a championship with that guy as your best player. So why not take the chance of, of, of 2017? So that's kind of you know kind of 
where I stand when it comes to any of the other options other than Whiteside. And even a portion of me says maxing out Whiteside for the next four years is dangerous also. Let me give you all a hypothetical, and we'll get back to that take in a second. If you, if I were to tell you Riley gets a meeting one time with Durant, it's either 2016 or 2017, which would you prefer? I think 2017. 2017. So 2017, now, yeah. follow-up question. Let's say Durant takes a meeting and sends a one-and-one in Oklahoma City. Do you think they have a chance in 2017 if they lose in the Western Conference Finals? Absolutely. You think yeah. they do? Because he already left the meeting saying, no thanks. Part, partly is me thinking that there's a good chance Chris Bosh comes off the books and you have enough money to add Durant and two other guys. Um, I, I still am not sold that he's going to play. I know that all, all indications are he might. But um, some more that I, you know, I read today that like with coagulation issues, there's like a one in nine chance that, that it can be fatal in certain circumstances. I was reading an article about a hockey player, and I'm kind of spitballing here because I don't have the details exactly correct. But the, just the, I left the article thinking there is no way they're going to take that risk. So if you really are operating under the assumption that Bosch is not going to be a piece that you can deal with long term, um, you're going to have a ton of flexibility in 2017. The one part of 2016, and then I'll let others talk because I know that I'm going on and on, but the one thing about 2016 is is that Riley has been waiting for this meeting since the day LeBron left the door. He's been waiting for this meeting, and I have a really, really hard time not betting on Pat Riley in that scenario. That's kind of what we all <laughs> – How long do you think his PowerPoint is? <laughs> you have to, oh, wait a second. This sounds like you a better have, show. You don't have no damn power. No, wait a second. This okay. sounds like a better, better show. He, what's he on the power? Your eyes, dog. You think it's look me my. Chris, what's in Riley's PowerPoint? Uh, man. Uh, Vines of Club Live, yes or no? <laughs> I mean, I, I really think that. They probably sell on like the culture and all, and all that stuff. I really think they do. I mean, everybody knows about the city. Like the players go there all the time. They, like, okay, they're gonna need who can help with the PowerPoint. You don't know. You don't seem. You don't seems kind of lame. You don't look like he doesn't go have fun anymore. Bosch is pretty good with computers and stuff. You can. Does Bosch get lit? He can code. Lit Gerald Green. <laughs> all right, there we go. They they have to sign Gerald Green to like a ten day so that he can help work on the PowerPoint. Like Gerald, we need to sell Duran on how lit Miami is. Give us a hand. The thing is, like, he, he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy, does does Joe, he? Joe Green? No, I mean, obviously Joe, Joe Green. Kevin Durant? <laughs> yeah, yeah Durant. in Oklahoma City, South Beach, South Beach will make anybody like that, dude. He, he, had a, he had a place in Miami. He just sold it, like, last year. So mm-hmm. he's experienced all that. I don't guys, think that that's guys, what the pitch is about. You, but anyway. You've, you've walked on Brickle or in South Beach, and you know what's around, man. It's just debauchery, and you can't stay away. They it's get, hard to argue with that. You just, yeah, it's it's like a scent. Like you just walk in and you find yourself, you know, somewhere where you didn't <laughs> expect to, and it's fun. I got one. What? Ultra. No, God, Ultra's terrible. I hate Ultra. Am I old? Does that make me sound old? No, I mean, hell, hell I'm, no. O- I'm older than you, but yeah, I'm over Ultra. <laughs> I'm 23, and I have like I've never had an interest in going to Ultra. That was more or less the age I was going, so it sounds, I guess I can't relate. It sounds sweaty, and everybody has drugs, and it's, it's it sounds gross, and it sounds like it's hot. 
It's definitely all those things. <laughs> sounds like an awful pitch meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Durant, you can go to Ultra. It's hot. It's sticky. It's sweaty. Everybody's on drugs, and you're probably going to get laid. But but it's only like half a mile from the stadium. <laughs> it's, bad. it's like walk. It's walking distance. Yeah, no, I, I know. I'm, I'm sprinting. It's like right there. Do you think the Heat hate Ultra like when it happens? I mean, it's I hate Front Park. Is that where it happens? Yeah. Yeah. Believe me, I hate Ultra when it happens. So I'm sure they do too. I made the mistake of wandering into downtown for dinner that one of the days that Ultra was. That's how out of touch I was. Mm-hmm. It was it was pre Twitter, and it was the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> yep. There's two things that every person that lives in the area knows. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend and Ultra weekend. Get the hell out of the city. Just go somewhere. What's wrong with Memorial Day weekend? Hip hop weekend? Yeah. yeah. No. That's the worst. Is it bad? Why did everybody say it's bad? Because it's bad. And like, I mean, no, it's it's not. No, it's it's not a racist thing. It's a it's a safety thing. Like, there's all there's always shootings. Like, uh, they 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 almost considered stopping hip hop weekend because of all the drive bys. Like, no one feels safe. When I used what? to rhyme, I, I went down there one year to uh, to like hand out mixtapes, and I and I met a ton of cats. It was a ton. It was a lot of fun, but it was like the same weekend. Suge Knight got shot on like Ocean Drive, mm-hmm. and like you know ridiculous stuff that doesn't happen on these uh, in these was going on. And um, yeah, I didn't go back after that. That was okay, about wait. it. There's this, there's a there's a segment here that we send Alf and like Brian down there with, like, a microphone and just ask for people's takes. Oh, God, send Harrison, too. Oh, that'll my God, don't fuck that, Brian. Then no, it'll go really go wrong. Alf Harrison. Uh, but Harrison I'm staying like here, guys. Extra douchey. They might kill Harrison. That's why we have to send Alf with him. Now, if he gets some season tickets. Alf, <laughs> that's how he's going to save himself? <laughs> I give you guys season tickets in the first level. I've never been to that. Well, clearly, I'm, I, I don't sound like I've been to Hip Hop Weekend in South Beach. What gave it away? Man, it's crazy, though. It's it's a cool time. I remember one time I came out of uh, Cameo, and it was like 5 in the morning, and I saw, I saw who was it? It was like Usher, T.I., Nelly. They all like go strolling out of there, and the thing that I couldn't believe is that they're all so short. Like, they're like the shortest yeah, dudes. Ever and I'm towering over these guys as they walk by me, and I'm like, Jesus! It, <laughs> it was like, it was like Mello's rookie year, and I was down there, and I was eating at a diner at like four in the morning, and Mello was in the diner, and he could tell that people would recognize him. He was with like five other cats, and he could specifically tell that the table I was sitting at recognized him, and he mean mugged the shit out of us out as he was eating his sandwich the entire time hoping we weren't going to come over and talk to him which we didn't but um that was a funny great mellow story (laughs) has a great scowl what a fantastic (laughs) he's just staring at you while you're eating yeah like like really like mean mugging like if you come over here i'm gonna knock you out like that kind of look like that like in the draymond commercial where he's making the sandwich how he's just staring it's angry (laughs) me and my buddies laugh about that to this day that's hilarious man that's funny where were we? We got really distracted. Oh, Durant. Yeah, PowerPoint. Oof. Oh, okay, man. so Hip Hop Weekend's not on the PowerPoint. 
No, but seriously, what what, what is Riley going to pitch more than anything else in his power? Dude, the same thing just as he culture? always does. He's going to throw rings on the table. He's going to be like, Durant, you, you in or what? You're going to win or what? And he's that's like that's his move, man. I think he's also going to pitch 2017. I think he's going to tell him, if you come now, spend a year with us, and if you like it here in 2017, you tell me who you want, and I'll go get him. And, I mean, that might, like, I have to be really honest, like, if he's really about winning, if that's really what Durant's about, he's going to Golden Golden State. State. I mean, like, let's really be honest about it. Like, when we were the perennial powerhouse, even though the Cavs won the title, the Warriors are are that in terms of uh, the amount of talent on the roster, at least in my opinion. Okay, but here's Um, the one thing, and this is the thing that I, I, he doesn't seem like the guy, but he's been playing with Russ for his whole career. Like, what if he wants to be the guy? He is the guy. If, 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 no, uh, I mean, there's a lot. He gets all the credit. It's close enough where all the blame. That's, I don't think that's true. Does he get blame? He doesn't get as much blame as Russ, but he he still gets blame. He gets very little. I mean, he skates like nobody else skates. I saw him get a lot of criticism when he had a couple bad games in the Western Conference Finals. Well, that's because Russ was amazing. Right. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. It's like when you're not even sure that you're the best player on your own team. And it's like he's been dealing with that for, I'd say, at least the last couple, two, three years. You could make a rough argument about it. It wasn't really close. He was definitely the MVP a few years ago. Like, but it's close enough where it's like you don't truly feel like the alpha. And Russ at times plays like the alpha. What if he wants to be the alpha? Does he go to Golden State? See, the thing I don't understand about that. You're right. No, I disagree with that because I think the Russ thing is not is is partly his fault, and I think he kind of knows that because that guy can't get separation at times when when guys are physical with him, and I, Russ does look for him down the stretch. Like Russ has this reputation of a guy who doesn't move the ball. That's not fair to Russ, man. Oh no, not at all. Russ is pro- he might be the best passer in the NBA right now. I wouldn't I say mean, the best passer because he does turn the ball over a lot, but he is a willing passer. Sure, but like his his athleticism and his ability to create space for his teammates and then finding them like that all goes hand in hand. I think like, Dwayne's still a better passer just because of the degree of difficulty and the fact that Dwayne Dwayne had like a career low in turnovers this year or something. And he was he still, did. yeah, it, it, it was something and surprising because I just remember Dwayne turning the ball over a lot. Um, but I mean, I think Dwayne's still a better passer than him, but that's not the conversation we're having. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to check his, his turnover numbers. Um, if you tell me we whiffed on Durant and whiffed on Whiteside, but we got Westbrook in 2017, uh, I'll sign up for it. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. He was 0.1 turnovers for his career low. His fewest turnovers were in 2011, 2012. He had 2.7. If, if he, if th- there's two things Riley can say, if you want to be the alpha, you can come here and you can be the, the torchbearer of the culture and it can be all yours and you can be the, the, you know, the, the guy, but also like coming East, uh, he's going to, he's going to point to LeBron and, 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 the Cavs winning the title and saying like, yeah, look, the the Warriors were the odds-on favorite all year, all year, all year, and then at the last minute, uh, in the last three games, Cleveland pulled it out and won. Like that can be you. You can go and do that same thing. You just have to have the right pieces. You have to have the right mindset, the right organization, and that's going to be the pitch. And it's going to be come East to do it because in the West. You doing that against Golden State just gets you to the finals. It doesn't win you the championship. And you know what I mean? 
So, like, that's going to be part of it as well. It's kind of logistics in terms of where he's playing. Can I say something about Dwayne? Because now that I, I, I organize his seasons by turnovers, and I have 2011 and 2015, the last season, right next to each other. Dwayne was better then, and we were already talking about how washed he was with 22 points on 50% shooting, uh, career low in turnovers, uh, five assists, five rebounds. That was like forever ago, and he has pretty much the same numbers. It's 19 points, 2.7 turnovers, uh, almost 50% shooting. The shooting's gone a little down, but that's because his usage went up. Uh, uh, Five assists, almost four rebounds. Like, dude. He's been such a consistent player that I think everybody just calls washed, and he's been like the same dude for like five years. Well, you know, narratives are funny, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, I just felt that he's been... He showed in the playoffs that he can actually elevate his game on certain nights, and I think that that could be attractive to a to a, a, a whale in terms of a guy who, um, yeah, he may not be able to like, you know, plug it out every single night of the regular season. Cause I mean, he may be available, but he may not be doing that. But to have a guy who, you know, on in a game six at home can grab you 30, uh, Dragic can do that too, by the way. Um, like mm-hmm. that is something to think about in terms of that. I, I, I just have, uh, overall feeling that when people look at the six teams or whatever it is that Duran has on his list, we our core gets underrated in my opinion. And maybe I'm just a blind fan, but I, I that's how I feel. I think Dwayne's a huge selling point because he's a guy that's proven to play off the ball so well, right? With a guy like Duran who played small forward power forward. So Dwayne is a guard that doesn't need the ball in his hand. And he can have the ball in his hand if need be, but He's a guy who's a willing screener. He's a guy who can do a lot of things off the ball. So I, I mean, I, you know that he, he wasn't off. He, he's not as willing to go off the ball for long stretches with Goran. But you know damn well if it was KD, he would be off the ball and he would be fine with it. Mm-hmm. And, and even if he's on the ball, I think Dwayne is such a great pick and roll player. And a lot of a lot of smart basketball people on Twitter say, "Watch D Wade in the pick and roll." That is textbook. Without athlete, without the same athleticism, he's a very careful, very calculated pick and roll player. And I think Durant, with that size, that shooting ability, that is going to be devastating. With Dwayne in such tight spaces, he can do so much. I mean, Dwayne is always just naturally. It's it's with him. It's, it's like before he had that ridiculous athleticism and the timing, and so that's why he was unstoppable in the pick and roll. But his ability to know the exact moment when to split a trap or when to pretty much just give it off because they've sealed it off. Like, his decision-making is pretty pretty close to n- nobody else when it comes to the pick and roll. But the thing is, yeah, he's, I mean, what, he's 35 now? Like, the fact that he's still playing at the level he is, to me, is pretty is pretty. Surprising. It's a triumph of the human spirit is what it is. It really is. And the body, too, because he's healthier now than he was for maybe, what, the last six years? The coolest Thanks, thing. Thanks, Ray Allen. Thanks, Ray Yo, Allen. Oh, shout-out to Ray, dude. Yeah, keeping D Wade healthy because like he kind of showed what it's like to be an old man who's still uh, in awesome good shape. condition. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the coolest thing about Dwayne in the playoffs was it, it reminded me of how Dwayne used to be in the sense of "Look at me, I'm great." Like he forced everybody to remember him. It was like when he played, and we talked about this on the podcast for a while. There was a stretch in the playoffs that he was the best performer in the postseason. 
because he was coming through late. He was putting up really good numbers. He was torching teams. I mean, then he kind of fell off. He started off a little slow, and then he fell off at the end. But, I mean, he forced everybody to remember Dwayne Wade is great, and I thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. and going back to the other pieces, you know, that Miami has to sell with, I mean, like Leif brought up, I mean, Goran Dragic, like the only – problem he really had fitting in this year was that his three-point shot was off for most of the season but if you look at it he's had seasons where he's shot 40 percent 39 percent 37 percent 36 percent from three so it's not unrealistic did you say, at, what, what was the high what was the high what did you say the high was when he shot 40 percent from three in 2013 that was the season that he had oh like, you're talking uh, about the playoffs no in the regular season no but 2013 no Talking about Drogic. Oh, I thought you were talking about Dwayne. I was like, no, no, no. Talking about Drogic. Yeah, Dwayne. No, no, no. Yeah, Dwayne. No, not so much. I was, but I was texting Brian. Yeah, and you know that was one of the things that Riley called out Drogic on a little bit is that he wants him to improve his three point shot, and if he even gets to like thirty six, thirty seven percent from three, that's gonna open up the offense even more. There's again and again we've talked about the young guys. Again, if if Hassan stays, and you really look at it. This is a very attractive option for Durant. It's going to give him something to think about once Riley throws those rings Since on the table. Since Boron became a starter, this is the fewest. Um, these were the fewest amount of threes that he attempted in a season with the lowest percentage. Mm-hmm. In Houston, his first year starting. Uh, no, that wasn't it. No, no. His first year starting was in Phoenix in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, he attempted 270 threes, and then from there it went up. Until last year, until he got traded in Miami, and then the threes took a nosedive in attempts and percentage. You think part right. of that? You think he, some of that could be an effect of him just his offseason workouts where he wasn't in shape at the beginning of the season? Well, he was. I, I guess this offseason, Leif shaking his head, and I do think there's something to that. But I mean, even toward the end of the season when he was in shape, that wasn't there. So uh, the playoffs, he was pretty good. He seems to be. He seems to have his spots and is a rhythm guy, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. He, you know what he strikes me as, and it's not—it's maybe a little unfair. Was it you, Leif, or was it Alf that called um, the Cavs a bunch of front runners like J.R. Smith? They hit shots when they're up. Yeah, those are kind <laughs> of the that was that, those are kind of the threes that Goron hits. Although he had a couple to tie big playoff games, uh, so maybe that's a little unfair. But yeah, no, that that could be true. I don't know. Uh, his shooting ability is weird because he's his shot looks fine, but man, he was. Not great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it here. They have the splits between teams. When he was a Sun, he shot 36%. When he was a Rocket, he shot 38%. And with the Heat, he's shot 31%. So I would hope that that's something more of an irregularity and something that he can fix if he just focuses I on. do think that's partially because of the space he was playing in. So it was more difficult um, to do that. So, yeah. So, um... So yeah, that's uh, that's been our. Brian, how long have we gone for? We are currently at forty-four minutes. You want to just end on predictions in the free agency and no, we're not doing predictions. Damn it, let's do predictions. No, I love to. Uh, come on, we're not Levitard. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not. If you do it, if you do it, I'm not participating. I'm boycotting. You guys can do it. Let's go down names. Leif, do you want to do it? Uh, I'll do whatever. I I have a limited amount of time left because I have a baby that's being born tomorrow. Shout out to um, Daddy Lee. Not not for my own body. That would be weird. But um, so uh, yeah. So anyway, I just uh, 
you know need to wrap things up here relatively shortly but don't let me don't let me uh no no yeah no we, derail we, thing. that's why i brought it up okay hassan does he stay or does he go rapid uh, fire s- stays i think he stays how much is way getting i hate you people what? What was? How much is Wade getting? Wait, it depends on if no, we get. Kristen had like a. Body had a. Either a long-term side. deal at sixteen million per, or a one-year deal at twenty million per. Or we get Durant, and he takes whatever it takes, and then it's a one-year Correct. deal, and then they they give him the money that he deserves next season. Correct. Absolutely. And you guys are so happy right now. Brian's <laughs> smiling. I hate you so much. This is awesome. <laughs> Just fill him with hope. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Does Dragic ever get traded? Ever? Yeah, I mean, eventually he'll get traded, but I don't think he'll be traded this offseason. I agree with what Leif said. Your little guy smile, Brian. You're Is so Bosch cheap. back or no? No. I, I think Bosch plays again. There's conflict. This is such. <laughs> this is so bad. I hate <laughs> Come on, what else? Is Dane coming back in the mini-mid level? Absolutely not. I mean, like, that's just... You have to be brain-dead to even think that that's possible. We, I wish we had music for this, because this would be so much funnier with music that annoyed me. I hope Dan goes to the to the Wolves, because I will love watching that team. All right, last question. Is Joe Johnson going to come back in front of Harrison's Nightmares? Okay, I saw Joe uh, at a yoga no. class. My body says yes. Really? Yes. Wow. Well, I have a hard time uh, coming up with better sources than Christian Bot. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say that no, he doesn't come back because some loser team is going to give him $11 million per. You're just saying that to make Harrison happy. Just Wait, Christian, did people recognize him at the yoga place? I don't think. I mean, it's it's usually mostly girls at the yoga class. Like, so like, he's just the massive black dude that occasionally comes in. I guess you know, huh? You know him. I, I, I it was told him good season, and he was like, "Thanks, man." You should. I mean, I, come on, I, his feet. He, he came across like a really quiet guy, and that's what Ethan says that like he's not a very like you know. I'm not gonna say he's not social, but he's you know kind of keeps to himself. Can't believe Joe Johnson just casually walks into yoga class. Yo, that dude, honestly, I wouldn't mind him back just because he, like, he's a heat player in the sense that that dude is jacked. Like, he is just ripped. Was he good at the yoga? All right, he, he did the class before me. I didn't see it. Are we really going to keep talking about this? 